Luke 11, 37 through 54. After we read, I'll pray, and then Pastor Steve will preach. Luke 11, 37 through 54. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and dish. But inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs. But you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves which people walk over without knowing it. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. Jesus replied, And you experts in the law, Woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you, because you build tombs for the prophets, and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets, and you build their tombs. Because of this, God, in his wisdom, said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill, and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Woe to you, experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who were entering. When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. Join me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to hear your word taught and explained Thank you for Pastor Steve and his ministry here. I just pray that you'd help us all to learn more about you, and thank you for the opportunity to worship. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, Dallas. Usually, I get closer to you guys. I'm going to back up today. Uh, Nothing personal, but... We have a lot of, we have an assortment of people in my house who are sick, so try not to breathe on anybody. I don't care if you guys get sick, I just don't want it to be my fault. So I'm back here. Um, my, uh, My family... So I've only got a couple of them here. I've got Pete and Bethy here. They're the only of us, 
right now who are who are ready for action. And so we're everybody else is on injured reserve on sick leave at home. Um, so my family, the the meal that we share together most most consistently is the breakfast meal. Um, dinner time, lunch time, we're all doing our own thing. Dinner time, um, that's hard to get everybody in the same room at the same time to eat dinner. We got a lot of people going. As the kids get older, they're just doing a bunch of stuff. And uh, and so breakfast is the one that we're all in the room together for the, the most. Um, and so um, I remember a couple years ago, my wife said in the kindest mom voice that she could say it in, she said, can, can we please stop and at least until I'm done eating my food? Can we please stop talking about earwax? I, um, I, there's, like, I guess there's two schools of thought in our house on, on which topics are appropriate for the breakfast table and which are not. My wife is in team no earwax. Um, and she's like, no, let's just, we can, let's talk about other things, really anything else, really. Just, I don't mind talking about your wax, just not at the breakfast table. Can we do it later? Jesus shows up at the, uh, a Pharisee invites Jesus over for a meal. Invites him over for a meal. And, uh, and there are topics of conversation. Really, if you're gonna be a polite guest, if you're gonna be kind to your host, there are things you talk about and things you don't talk about. Like, we have rules in our house. Uh, maybe they're more lax than the rules in your house. But, but we're very clear, like, when we're going to go to someone's, someone else's house. Right? We don't talk about the foods we don't like. We just say thank you for whatever whatever's given to us. We just say thank you. We don't talk about earwax. We wait until we're done, until we're not at that person's house anymore. Um, so we go from... At our house, it's probably don't do this, probably don't do that, to when we go to someone else's house, definitely don't do that. Definitely don't talk about that. That's just kind of, it's just different when you're at someone else's house. Jesus doesn't seem to realize that. Because what Jesus does here is incredibly rude. He's incredible, it's, it's incredibly rude. He gets invited by a Pharisee, so he's at dinner, the, the dinner table with a, with a Pharisee and all of the Pharisees' friends. These, uh, Pharisees and these experts in the law. They're called lawyers here in the ESV. These experts in the law, these Pharisees, they're all buddies. And they, and Jesus is over there and he just, he just starts to rail on them. You would never do this the first century. This is a, this is a big no-no. This is so impolite. And he says several times in these verses, woe to you, Pharisees. Woe to you, lawyers. And woe there is not like woe, horsey, it's, it's woe, W-O-E, which is like saying, you fools, you are guilty before God. You, you are going to be punished because of your sin. And here's the list of sins that you have committed. You are sinful, arrogant fools, and here's why I say that. This is not polite table talk. So why does Jesus do this? Why does He publicly condemn His hosts? We have three big reasons here. There's, there's three like buckets here that Jesus is going to put all of these woes and these criticisms into. We have three reasons why Jesus publicly criticizes his dinner host, the, the, the people who have kindly offered, offered a meal to him, invited him over, and he just starts blasting them. Three reasons. Now, but we have to be careful here. 
Because it's very tempting. I mean, I was tempted this week as I was studying, and you're going to be tempted this morning as you're listening to say, yeah, those Pharisees are stupid. What a bunch of idiots. Yeah, those lawyers are morons. Get them, Jesus. Get them. Yeah. It's, let's not do that, though. Let's, let's, let's think about what's happening in our own hearts, in our own lives. Let's, let's ask ourselves, as we, as we watch Jesus just dismantle these, um, these Pharisees and these lawyers, let's, let's think about what's happening in our own hearts. Is there anything in, in, in my heart that I need to repent of? Is there anything in your heart, your life, that you need to be thinking about, fighting against, repenting of? So, let's, let's look at these three reasons why Jesus publicly criticizes his dinner host. Why, why, why Jesus leaves politeness behind and just goes after it. Reason number one, reason number one, they wash their hands while they let their hearts rot. They wash their hands while they let their hearts rot. So Jesus shows up and he starts eating with them, but he doesn't wash his hands. Now this isn't a hygiene thing. This is a um, this is a special rule that the Pharisees had. This is this is not a rule that God created. This was an extra rule. So if you remember from the Old Testament, God had a lot of clean and unclean laws. Um, God had set up a lot of rules for how to be clean before Him. So, for instance, if you touched a dead body, or if you touched someone who had leprosy, then you had to go through this special process, right? Before you regather with the people, before you can be with your family or be with the people of God again, before you can worship at the temple again, you had to go through a process to become clean before God. It was, it was a really cool way that God had of just consistently reminding His people that they needed His forgiveness, that they needed His mercy, that they had to take His holiness seriously. So, um, so, so God had set up this, this clean and unclean, um, set of rules. And it was to remind his people that he is absolutely holy and, and they, and they need to, if they're going to enter into his presence, if they're going to worship him, they have to take it seriously. They have to look to him for, for forgiveness and for cleansing. It's a, it's just a reminder. It's a really cool thing God set up to remind his people. It's an Old Testament thing. It's just a really neat thing God had set up. Well, the Pharisees had taken that and then run with it. And they had added a whole bunch of extra rules to it. This, this washing here, this is not one of God's laws. This is something that the Pharisees set up so that they could show everybody around them how serious they were about being clean before God. We, we see this and, and Jesus says it to them. Jesus says, he, he, when, when, when they're astonished that he did not first wash, in verse 38, the Lord said to them, now you Pharisees, you cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. Jesus says you're, you're very concerned about the outside, about the, about the things people can see you doing. You're very concerned about the things that people can see you doing. The, the things that you can kind of check off your list. They even did this, we see down in verse 42, with the way that they tithe. 
They tithed mint and rue and every herb. So they would go through their garden and they would get all of their, even the minute garden produce, like the, even the smallest things from their garden, and they would make sure that they give a tenth of it to God. That also was not commanded by God. You didn't have to, you didn't have to, um, tithe your garden vegetables, but, but they did. They went above and beyond. But Jesus says, you're washing your hands. You're doing all this stuff, but you're letting your hearts rot. You fools! You clean the outside of the cup of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. My, my wife is, is pretty sick right now. She is. And so I made a little bit of a joke because that's what I do. Um, but I, I shouldn't have. But I don't take it back. Um, so anyhow, thought about it for a second. But anyhow, so my wife is sick, so, so usually we team up on things like dishes and stuff. And usually she's there. She lets me help, but she supervises. Alright? And so, right now, she's too sick to supervise. And so, just imagine if we had, like, potato, potato salad or something, um, which I bought from the store and then put in a bowl like I had made it. Right? And so, imagine I did that, because that feels like something I would do. So I buy it from the store, I dump it into the bowl, and look what I made for you. And that's yeah, great. And so anyhow, um, but then when it's time to clean up the bowl... There's a couple, I mean, there's probably another serving of potato salad in the dish. I, I, I could just kind of wash off the outside of that dish, make sure it looks really nice, and then just put the bowl back in the cupboard with a, with a serving of, or so of potato salad in it. This story would not end well, would it? I mean, there would be, this, there would be, it would be bad on many levels. Jesus is saying, this is what you're doing. You're, 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 you're cleaning up the outside of the dish, but inside you are rotten. You are full of greed and wickedness. He says, he says you, you, you neglect justice and the love of God. Which means, on the inside, Pharisees, you, you don't care about people. That's, that's what neglect justice. You don't, you don't care about people. You don't care about showing compassion to people. You don't actually care about people. And you don't love God. Like the, the whole sum of the law to, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself, you're not doing any of it. You do all of this extra outside stuff. You're spending hours on extra outside stuff and you're ignoring what's happening on the inside. It is clear, it is clear that your heart does not belong to God. It's clear that your heart has not been changed by God. Because those who belong to God, they will absolutely have a growing love for Him and a growing love for others. You, you do all these things that barely matter and you ignore the stuff that matters the most. The part of you that God cares the most about, that part is rotten. The inside, where God looks, when He looks upon the heart, you, and instead of, instead of repenting of your greed, or of your arrogance, or of your lust, or of your selfishness, instead of repenting of your sin, you simply add more rules onto your life. You, 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 simply, you, you simply wash your hands more. You simply um, get out the, you know, the, the, the fine-tooth comb and you, and you get the tenth of your mint that you grew in your garden. You make sure everyone knows you've, you've, you've painstakingly discovered a tenth of that and, you've, and you're giving it to God. You're saying, in, you're saying, I'm not going to 
I'm not going to look to God to forgive me for, for the ways that I am sinful inside. Instead, I'm going to make myself feel better by washing my hands an extra time. By tithing more than I'm com- commanded to. And, and we're tempted to say, That's how stupid? How could they be so stupid? But, but before we do that, let's double check our own hearts. Let's, let's make sure that we're not tempted. When, 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 we, when we're maybe convicted about our own arrogance or our own pride or our own greed or our own lust or our own jealousy or bitterness, let's, let's, let's make sure that we're not tempted to say, well, at least I, I give my money. No, other people don't do that. At least I faithfully help out at church. Other people don't do that. At least I have good theology. Those other people don't. God is saying to us here, if you don't love God and if you don't love other people, you can worry about the rest of that stuff later. Figure that stuff out later. First you repent of the sin in your heart. First you look to God for, for, and, and to His grace alone for forgiveness. And so this is the first thing Jesus is saying to the Pharisees and to the lawyers here. He's saying, he's saying you wash your hands while you're letting your hearts rot. That's reason number one. Then reason number two, so they wash their hands while they let their hearts rot. But then reason number two, they love people's attention, but they don't love their souls. They love people's attention, but they don't love their souls. He says in verse 43, Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogue and greetings in the marketplaces. So you love to be respected as a minister. You, you love to be respected as a spiritual authority. You love to be ex- respected as a, as a Bible scholar. You, you love that. That, 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 like, where you walk around and people recognize, yeah, this is the guy who's gonna help me figure out what it means to live for God. You like that. You like that recognition. You don't care for people's souls, though. He says in verse 44, woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. That's an interesting thing to say. Um, it's, 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 uh, Jesus is almost being ironic here. Because he says to the, the Pharisees and the lawyers who, who they, they thought of themselves as like really clean before God and helping people be really clean before God. But, but if you, if you accidentally touched an unmarked grave, if you accidentally touched a grave, then you were, you were not clean before God. And so what these Pharisees are doing is they're actually going around, they're actually going around making people unclean. And, and, and they're doing it without anybody knowing it. They're unmarked graves. In the, in the first century, you had to be very careful to whitewash the graves and to, and to clearly mark them so that people didn't accidentally walk near them, touch them, and then become unclean before God. You had to be careful. And, and Jesus is saying, you, you, you guys are making people unclean right and left, and they don't even know it. It's, it's because, it's because you'd rather have someone be impressed by you than be right with God. You walk around as if your main goal in life is helping people know how to love and serve God, but you don't actually care for people at all. You don't care for their souls. You just want their attention. You want them to recognize you. You want to feel good about yourself. 
You'd much rather have someone be impressed by you than right with God. The, the lawyers hear that. In verse 45, one of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, I, actually, you know what? You, you're talking to the Pharisees, but some of this stuff is hurting my feelings too. Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. Jesus says, good. Thank you. Verse 46, and he said, woe to you lawyers also. For you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Down in verse 52, he says, Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you, you hindered those who were entering. Jesus says, I'm glad that you feel a little insulted. I was aiming at you as well. Thank you for picking up on it. The, the lawyers and the Pharisees, they, they, have a, they have a works righteousness program that they are just plopping down on people. They have a, they have a whole list of, of rules and regulations that they are just burdening people with. They are weighing people down with. And, and they, they're implying that somehow you can do enough good stuff to be right with God. They are, they are hindering people from actually being right with God. They are stopping people from actually being forgiven by God. Being in God's family. Being with God forever. They're stopping people. Because the truth is, you can never, ever do enough good stuff to get into heaven. God's never going to let you into heaven because you washed your hands really good or because you were faithful to your wife or because you never robbed a bank. Because you, you, you can never do enough good stuff. You just fill in the blank. If you stand before God and you say, let me into heaven because of this stuff that I did, He's going to say no. Filthy rags. Never good enough. So Jesus is saying to these Pharisees and lawyers, by, by loading people up with this program that's never going to work, with this set of rules and regulations that are, that's never going to save them, you are weighing them down and you are stopping them from getting into heaven. These Pharisees and these lawyers don't care, though, because they just love people's attention. They don't love their souls. These Pharisees and these lawyers, they, they want to be respected. They want to be recognized. They want to feel good about themselves. They want to have a place in the community. They want to be seen as authorities. They want people to come to them with their questions. They love people's attention, but it's obvious they don't love their souls. That's the second reason why he publicly criticizes his dinner hosts. They love people's attention, but they don't love their souls. And reason number three, third and final reason, they pretend to honor the prophets that their own fathers murdered. They pretend to honor the prophets that their own fathers murdered. 
Verse 47, he says, Woe to you. And again, Jesus has a little bit of a play on words here. He says, For you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So, build the tombs has the idea, when he says build the tombs of the prophets, it has the idea of them honoring the prophets, building a monument to them, and, and, and acting as if the prophets are their heroes. Right? We want to take a day to honor the prophets. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. It was your own fathers who killed them. You are not the descendants of the prophets. You are the descendants of the people who murdered the prophets. That's the family tree you come from. That's your spiritual ancestors. Those guys are your example. Those guys are your heroes. Don't pretend like the prophets are your heroes. No, 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 no. It's the other team. It's the other guys. So you are witnesses, he says in verse 48, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers. For they killed them, and you build their tombs. So it's a play on words. Jesus says, verse 49, Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets, listen to this, all the, the blood of all the prophets, in verse 50, shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. So Jesus uses the word generation in a weird way. We think of a generation like millennials and, and whatever the ones that aren't millennials, the lame ones, I can't remember. So anyhow, we, that's what we think of as generation, right? That's not what Jesus... Jesus is saying a spiritual generation. So you share a generation with everybody who believes and thinks and acts like you. And so Jesus is going to say, um, the, the shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah. That's the beginning and the end of the Old Testament. That's like one of the... the, the Abel is the first person to be murdered and, and Zechariah is one of the final people final prophets to be murdered in the Old Testament. And so everybody in between. So this generation is thousands of years, right? And and Jesus is saying to these Pharisees and to these lawyers, you're in that generation. That's your. Those are your spiritual fathers. Those are your examples. Those are your guys. Those are your heroes. Don't pretend like you're on the other team. You're not. You're not. Don't pretend like you're with the guys who are holding up the Word of God and love the Word of God. You're not. And the the Old Testament is filled with what Jesus is saying here. The prophets are saying to the people, don't worry about all the extra stuff if your hearts are, are, if your hearts are filled with sin. God says, I don't want the sacrifice first. I want obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. I want your hearts. I want your hearts. This people is paying, paying lip service to me. I don't want lip service. I don't want you to do the rituals, the outside stuff, if your heart is not for me and with me. And Jesus says, now you are doing the same thing. It's the same story. You are among the ones who killed Abel and killed Zechariah and every prophet in between. And of course, uh, in verse 53 and 54, the Pharisees prove Jesus right, don't they? Verse 53 and 54, And he went away from there. The scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things. Verse 54, Lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. What that means is he, they, they want to catch Jesus saying something blasphemous. Because if they can catch Jesus saying something blasphemous, then they can kill him. They want to kill him. 
That's what they want to do. Jesus said, you're among the people who killed prophets. And like five seconds later, let's kill him. How blind can you be? I hate that you called me a killer. Let's kill him. You know, what's going on right now? And you say, yeah, they're, they're so stupid. They're so blind. Get them, Jesus. Well, wait. Just wait. Wait, 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 wait. Before we just get sick of Jesus, before we do that, let's think about our own, our own hearts in our own lives. Before we take um, communion together, let's just... Um, I'm moving forward in my notes. I don't know if that means I skipped a whole portion. I don't know what that means. So... Before we take the Lord's Supper, let's, let's ask ourselves a couple of questions. All right, These are not questions that we're going to press hard on the Pharisees and the, and the lawyers. These are questions we're going to press hard on ourselves. First, are, are you trusting in anything but Jesus Christ to bring you forgiveness of your sins? To bring you into the family of God? To someday bring you into heaven? Are you trusting in anything or anyone else? There's, there's nothing you can do. I, I hope that you understand that this morning. Please trust Christ alone. His, his perfect li- life and His death in your place is your only hope to be forgiven by God, to be right with God, to be, to be brought into the family of God, to be brought into God's family and God's heaven forever. Jesus is your only hope. Have you believed that? And then second question, are you reminding yourself of the Gospel every day? Are you reminding yourself of the Gospel every day? This is so incredibly basic that we often forget to do it. This is so incredibly basic. That, that, that sometimes we just skip over it. But if we don't spend time every day remembering that, that all of our good works are like filthy rags, that, that if we are, I mean, we are just like a, a potato bowl in a cupboard waiting to rot. If, if, we're, if we think we can clean up the outside and somehow be good before God, we are in trouble. We are in trouble. We're a complete, hopeless mess without Him. We cannot forget that we need the blood of Jesus every single day for the rest of our lives. This is where, this is where we get traction by God's grace when we remember that we are hopeless without the grace of God. That, that everything we've been given in Christ is because of God's gracious God's gracious will, God's gracious love that He has set on us. If we forget that, if we forget what we have in Christ, then we'll we'll get so caught up in doing the right things, making sure we have the right theological beliefs, making sure that that we're giving and serving and faithful to us. We'll get we'll get caught up doing all this good stuff. Not it's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. But we'll we'll get caught up just doing that. And, and we'll forget. When, once we start forgetting the grace of God, the, the, the love that we have for Him, the love that we have for others, shrivels up and dies. 
the way that we nurture and feed and give, give life and oxygen to, to the love that we have for God and to the love that we have for others is to daily remember the grace of God. Daily remember what we have because of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. So we have the chance to do that now. I'm going to pray, and then Dale is going to come up and lead us in the Lord's Supper. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your Word. We, we thank You for um, Jesus' boldness here in this story. We, we thank You for truth that came hard at the Pharisees and the lawyers. And, and even more, we thank You for the truth comes hard at us. We recognize we can't. We, we, saw, we saw last week, we don't, we don't have ears to hear. We don't, have, we don't have eyes to see this unless You give us um, eyes to see it, God. We won't see it. Unless You give us a heart to love it. We won't love Your truth. So I pray, God, that You would do that in us. Help us not to bristle at Your Word. Help us not to, to shrink back. Help us, help us not to fight against it. Help us not to just kind of start thinking about other people and how they need help and, and, and pushing this on others. Help us to think about ourselves, God. Give us, give us that. Give us that humility to ask hard questions of our own hearts and lives. Pray that you would, you would challenge us and that you would comfort us in your gospel. And we thank you that the gospel is big enough for both. It is big enough to challenge us and it's big enough to comfort us. So we look to it now in Jesus' name. Amen.